All right, we've got the Beltway battle this weekend, so we've got a crossover episode. Connor Newcomb here from Locked On Orioles. Josh Neighbors is with us, the host of Locked On Nationals. And Josh, the last time we got together, um, it was to yell about Masson. And uh, still yelling although, about Masson, right? Still, although still we could, although we could do that for a half hour today, um, we actually have real baseball games to talk about, um, so we will stick to that instead. But uh, good to. Uh, do a little Beltway crossover episode once again here, Josh. Connor, I missed you. Mass and brethren, it's always good to, to talk. And, um, yeah, I would say both these teams, like, pretty similar, right? I mean, I think bad. as far as – yeah, bad. Not, not good. Uh, we could be nice and say, you know, things about, you know, uh, terms like, I guess, what? Uh, offensively challenged, right? Uh, difficulty due. scoring runs. They're due. The, the, they're, the offenses yeah, are due. They're, they're due to have a nice one, you know. Uh, haven't been playing their best ball lately, right? We could we could throw phrases like that around, but um, or we could just be honest and say they're both bad. But yeah. hey, I, with that comes the opportunity to potentially build some momentum in a series. I guess if you want to spin it right to be to be a yeah. bit positive. And I mean, so coming into this series, uh, you know, the Nats are seventeen and twenty-three, the Orioles seventeen and twenty-six. And I think if you had told me, you know, when the Nats first meet the Orioles in late May if you would have said each team's going to have the same amount of wins, I think the more likely guess would have been both teams are bad and both teams have 17 wins and not, you know, both teams have 25 wins. Uh, and that's where we are. And obviously, you know, overall, this Nationals team is better than the Orioles. We know that. But they have the same amount of wins. And it kind of looks like it did in 2020, where, you know, everybody knew a Nats team was better than an Orioles team, but the O's had the better record for most of the season. And so, you know, we did want to start this crossover, though, by talking about the starting pitchers because... The Nationals do have some important news that may help them, uh, and that is that Steven Strasburg is going to return off the injured list to make this start. Uh, so, you know, is he going to, like, be good, or is this still an issue for Steven Strasburg just coming off the I.L.? Because I know the velocity was, like, way down before he went on the injured list. Steven, your guess uh, – Steven, Con- Connor, your guess is as good as mine as to the health of Steven. There we go. We got it right. Steven Strasburg. Um, I think the key with him is, you know, that because of the investment that they put in him, right? The fact they chose to pay him over Rendon has dictated how careful they've been with bringing him back with the injuries. So I think um, when you see him pitch, right, I'm not looking necessarily for like seven scoreless with eight strikeouts. What you mentioned about the velocity is a perfect point. You're going to be looking for velocity, right? Where, where is that fastball? Are we low 90s or are we 94, 95, right? Are, are we, you know, are we, are we in the right range, right? How is the slider moving? Uh, you know, how is this breaking stuff? How is the changeup going to look as well? So things of that nature are really what you're looking at here as opposed to, like, if he gets rocked and gives up a bunch of, you know, a bunch of hits and the Orioles got to him, that's fine. But how did he look? Was he able to, you know, could he throw 75, 80 pitches, and not look like it was uh, a laboring experience. So that's the kind of stuff that I think you're looking for, because this is about his long-term health. And that's because if you talk about the Nationals and a sense of winning, right, this team does not win without him being healthy. So that's kind of the, my perspective on, on watching Strasburg and what to expect from him in the series. So he is he going to go Friday? Is that what I saw? Is he going game? So one I believe series? he's going to. Yeah, I mean, you know how reliable ESPN.com is, but I believe Mark Zuckerman had mentioned it. Yeah, he's going to be back in rotation. I would fully expect him to pitch on Friday. Yeah, that's kind of which is tomorrow or whenever you hear this, probably that and, day. So yeah. And so it'll be 
looks like Strasburg versus Jorge Lopez in game one at Nats Park. Uh, for Nats fans who may not know Jorge Lopez, uh, he once with the Kansas City Royals took a perfect game into the ninth inning. Uh, he is a waiver claim by the Orioles last year. He throws a sinker that has gotten up to 98 miles an hour this year um, with a pretty good changeup and an okay breaking ball. And when you see that, you think, okay, you know, this guy, you know, might have some control issues, but he could be okay. And uh, he also has boated the highest active career ERA among starting pitchers in Major mm. League Baseball. So despite that sinker being incredible, and for sometimes this year, you know, he'll go three or four innings scoreless to start a game and look like the best pitcher in baseball. He just can't get through the fifth. The fifth inning, he has about a 13-something ERA in the fifth inning this year. Um, so expect either Jorge to get lit up in the first inning and then it pretty much be over. Or if, you know, Nats fans are frustrated through four innings because they can't hit this guy who has a six ERA, you just wait him out a little bit um, and, and things will go bad. So there could be a lot of runs scored in Friday night's game. Depending- <laughs> are we telling people to take the over? Is this, is yes, this yes. Doing? Depending on how Strasburg looks. And and maybe, you know, if you're if you're into that, you, you do a little in-game stuff. You see what Strasburg kind of looks like in that first yeah, inning. And then right. um, because, you know, they're going to get to Lopez. But, you know, Strasburg could obviously come back well, and say, I'm back. Here's here's what I'll say this. And I, I, I mentioned, uh, you know. I don't see all these guys so often, so I'm trying to remember the pitch arsenal. For Strasburg, it's the sinker, the fastball, the changeup, and the curveballs. There's one, not slider. Uh, but, yeah, for those guys, you know, we're talking about these offenses. Like, it could break the other way, though, right? We could look like total freaking idiots. It's like, wow, Jorge Lopez back on track, and Steven Strasburg looks good. And it might not even be because they're pitching well. It could just be because these teams are not inclined to generate offense, right? I mean – um, you know, I think that's, you know, that's, that's part of, we'll get into the offensive part of it in, in a little bit, but I know you wanted to talk about the pitching matchups also down the line too, uh, with what else to expect for the rest of the series. So they're going to get John Lester and Corbin. And then, uh, for, for you all, uh, Bruce Zimmerman, the, the Orioles, the, he'll go on Saturday, I believe. And on Sunday, Matt Harvey will make his return at Nationals park. Which Nats fans good. know him well. Yes. Yeah, so, that, so, I mean, you know, Bruce Thurman, though, that's a name, you know, I don't think a lot of Nats fans are familiar with. Uh, what can you tell us about the 26-year-old? Yeah, so Zimmerman came over uh, in the Kevin Gaussman trade uh, in 2018. Exciting. The Orioles sent Gaussman to the Braves. Uh, and that trade, uh, among all those trades the Orioles made that year, you know, everyone remembers Manny Machado to the Dodgers. But the Orioles actually made a lot of deals at that deadline because they were a terrible team who had a lot of good veterans. Um, and even guys who were in their late 20s who were really good and just weren't going to be a part of the future. So they made a lot of trades there. The Gosman one is kind of seen as the biggest failure. And Bruce Zimmerman is kind of the guy we're holding on to um, mm. that if he can work out, then maybe, maybe it turns out to be okay and not a complete failure. He is a left-hander who actually is from the Baltimore area, um, grew up outside of Baltimore, uh, played at Loyola Blakefield in, the, in Towson, went to Towson University. Um, so it's a pretty cool story because he was an Oral fan. Um, growing up, like a big Oriole fan growing up. Um, so it's cool to see him pitching back here. A left-hander who had a, it was the Orioles' best pitcher in spring training. Uh, he had made two appearances in 2020, you know, right at the end of the year just to get his feet wet. Um, but he was the Orioles' best pitcher in spring training. So they said, you know what? You get in a rotation role. And he was really good out of the gate. Um, and then things started to backfire. So they set him down to AAA. He made two starts down there. Um, and then they called him right back up, you know, after those 10 days are up that you have to wait right back up to the big leagues. Uh, he actually was put in the bullpen and then he threw five and two thirds of one run ball against the Yankees in relief after the Orioles used an opener and it did not go well. 
uh, back on Saturday night. Adam Pletko gave up four runs in the first inning. But Zimmerman was really good. And so, you know, it looks like he's back. He's a guy who's got a solid fastball, an okay changeup, and he has, you know, one of the better sliders that the Orioles have. He can throw for strikes, throw for strikeouts, um, but he will definitely be an interesting piece moving forward because he's not an Oriole top 10 prospect, but he's also a top 30 guy, and he's also the best player they got for Kevin Gaussman. And now Kevin Gaussman's looking like a Cy Young candidate in San Francisco. So they're hoping, you know, that Zimmerman kind of does work out. So he'll go up against Lester, you said, um, who is... Seems to be just kind of pitching okay and, and you know, back from, you know, the kind of health scare and injury that he had. Yeah. So, I mean, I, not a signing I liked when they made it. And, it's, I mean, it's not to knock him, but I, I, I always use 2019 as a great example of, you know, champ, like of, of good baseball teams, championship runs. And people forget that their fourth pitcher in the Nationals was Anibal Sanchez. And Anibal Sanchez, Connor, I always forget the number, but it was in the teens in the middle of the season. When he started, they won like 17 straight games that he started. And, you know, not saying he got wins and all those, and he was the reason why they won all of them, but that's what you need from number four guy. And I thought there were a lot of guys out there, and one guy I pinpointed I thought would be perfect in that rotation was Taiwan Walker. And people kind of said, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. That's working so out no, for the Mets. It's worked out very nicely for the Mets. They, they've needed him. And and guess what? This this – nationals rotation could have used a guy like that really you know and i don't want to knock down lester because he actually had a couple of nice starts but the thing is you know you saw him go back to chicago and, and if any lock lineup is locked in and you're familiar with what john lester brings to the table you know he's not too difficult to hit like and he's just not bringing um anything special in terms of velocity right not a guy who's got a lot of strikeouts anymore and so you know it's a bit of a drop-off I think it's one of the guy to eat innings in that four spot. So that could be an interesting battle. You know, John, John Lester's been around for a long time. I know Orioles fans are plenty familiar with him, right? Long time Orioles fans. I don't think anybody in this Orioles roster probably has faced, nope. faced well, him since. Well, there's one guy on the roster, but I'll tell you, he won't play this weekend. That is Chris Davis, probably the only yeah. Oriole who has faced John Lester. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. So, um, uh, oh, also, I wanted to mention this actually to go along with pitching too. Are you excited to see all, all the guys pick up a stick this weekend? Uh, at Nats Park. Uh, uh, no. So <laughs> I love the DH, as people know. Um, as far as the Orioles pitchers, so Jorge Lopez did come up with Milwaukee. So he's got a little bit of experience. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman, you know, obviously made his debut with the Orioles. He has, I believe, two ABs he made at Marlins Park earlier this year. Nice. You know, he might have just struck out and was maybe asked to bunt one time. And then, of course, you know, Matt Harvey has all the, the NL experience. Um, but I just don't want to watch it. And frankly, I'm sure you saw the video of when the Orioles were at City Field uh, last week when Matt Harvey was facing the aforementioned Taiwan Walker. Yes. And, you know, Walker came up with two outs, you know, nobody <laughs> on there were already up like four or five to one. To and literally right? <laughs> Matt Harvey threw three straight fastballs down the middle and Walker just didn't move and he just walked back to the bench. What are we doing? Like what? Yeah, what it's I, which like, I'm not going to get mad at him for that. Like situationally no. speaking, it was the right thing to do. It was like guys pitching great. Like, look, there's no need for him to, you know, he's not starting himself. a rally. They're already yeah. up by four <laughs> runs. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's somebody on second base. They're up four run Taiwan. Just look at it. Like, you know, just look at it and you'll be fine. Um, yeah. Like that's part of it. It's like, look, the offense is bad enough as it is. Um, you know, what, what we don't need is to add in the element of the Orioles pitchers having to, to pitch. Could help out Nats pitching though. But yeah. Um, and, you know, um, I think Matt Harvey versus Patrick Corbin is 
weirdly fascinating for like I just I don't know I, I think Matt Harvey is um I like I want to get your thoughts on this I like the idea of Matt Harvey maybe in two years and here's what I mean by this he's still learning to pitch as an older guy who's dealt with some injuries right and how to be crafty and I think he actually pitched with somebody who's like the best example is Bartolo Colon who is the guy who always Say what you want about him, you know, about him as a person and him about his, you know, cheating, cheating, whatever. The guy was so great at adapting to what his what his limitations were. Right. I think Matt Harvey's still learning how to do that. Uh, I don't know if you agree or not. And I'm interested to see what he can continue to do, because also that's a valuable guy to have in a rotation, especially if he really accepts the role of being that old veteran. You guys can come to and talk to. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's been interesting because, you know, the whole point of the Orioles signing him and the whole reason he ended up making the team and, you know, was the quote number two starter, you know, he did, he did start the second game of the season this year. Um, the whole reason that happened is because, you know, he had those awful last couple of years. I mean, obviously at the end with the Mets, it was bad, but when he went to like Anaheim and Kansas city, I mean, he, you couldn't even put him on the mound. Was it the Reds? He was the Reds. Yeah. The Red, it was the Reds first and then Anaheim and then Kansas city. Yeah. And like, they were all bad teams and like, they couldn't even put Matt Harvey on the mound. Like that's how right. bad he was. And the reason why the Orioles took a chance is that he had kind of finally accepted that he was not the Dark Knight anymore. He went to a facility called the Baseball Performance Center um, this offseason, actually had the director of that center who worked with him on the pod uh, early in the offseason, which is a cool conversation. And he, you know, basically realized that, like, he needed some outside help and, like, accepted, mm-hmm. like, you know, working with a Rapsodo machine and, you know, working with all the data to improve his spin rates and improve the vertical break on his fastball and become more of a sinker pitcher than a, you know, power four-seamer guy. And it worked out early this season. I mean, he he wasn't, you know, blowing people away, but he was giving the Orioles, like, you know, five solid innings, one or two runs when he was going out there. When you're the Orioles and you're rebuilding and, you know, you have Matt Harvey, right. who's been horrendous, you take that every time. Now, his last three starts... Bad. He needs to make some, some more adjustments. Uh, the best he, thing is that's that's why I say I like him in two years, right? Like it's it's that it's that acceptance and that giving in at that point, you know. Then can you keep making the adjustment to the adjustment, right? Can yeah, and, doing and he needs he needs more adjustments to be made because but this you know, is a perfect place to learn how to do it, right? Exactly. He went back to City Field, and I really do feel bad for him because it was an emotional yeah. day for him, and he just got crushed. And I mean, he was coming off of really his only bad start of the year when he went to City Field, right. and it was like, oh, you know, he could rebound. You know, we don't need it to be an ace today, but just give yourself five solid innings, and you know, get an, get an applause to City Field. And he just got crushed, and then he came back out against the Rays the other night. And he got crushed again. He gave up two, three run homers in the second inning, didn't even get six outs in the game. Um, And so we're kind of at this point now, like, does he need to readjust again? Do they need to skip him? Maybe one start, Um, you know, we're going to learn a lot Sunday if they might need to skip him, like after Sunday start, uh, if if it goes poorly again. Uh, But yeah. Well, I like his chances against the offense. Yeah. Nats Nats fans are going to know this is not the uh, Mets, Matt Harvey. I'll tell you that, but he still has some good stuff. Um, But I know quickly kind of before we get to the hitting, has Patrick Corbin found it again at all? Because he was horrendous to start this year. Uh, I'm going to, refer- there is some jokes I can make here about his pitching during certain uh, outside outstanding circumstances. Uh, if you know what I mean, uh, during certain administrations, he seems to be better than other administrations. That's yeah, interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, I think last year was so weird for him. And so what I think he had a problem with, just my observation last year, I, I don't know if the numbers back this up, but to me, he had a more difficult time getting ahead of hitters, right? And, and when you're bringing, you know, 
with guys like this, you know, knuckleballers have certain catchers, right? So uh, Jan Gomes exclusively catches Patrick Corbin, and he's got that 60, you know, 65 mile an hour breaking ball, whatever the hell it is, right? So in the slider. And so for him, it's about getting ahead of guys and, and staying in control. And I know some of those pitches, they break like crazy and like, you know, it's not really looks like it's controlled, but at times I feel like that's when he has been had the most is when guys can kind of wait him out, right. Or take walks off of them. Um, he, in my opinion, has gotten better, a little bit better. The numbers to me are a bit misleading. He's had a couple really bad starts, but I actually think his last two starts, in my opinion, have been pretty decent. So uh, against the Cubs, he gave him five innings, eight hits, which is a lot over the course of that, uh, two walks, but he only gave up three runs, right? And in my opinion, I'm not sure how you feel, like that should keep you competitive. Now, this offense, it doesn't, but that should keep you competitive and at least in the game. And then the previous start, he was seven innings, one run uh, before that, six innings. So, I mean, his, um, his May in four starts, has been pretty good, 3.24 ERA and 25 innings pitched, right? So that is market improvement for a month in April over 16 innings and ERA of 10.47. So yeah, I, I think he's beginning to get better, but not not all the way there. And look, when, you, when you're that kind of pitching topping out, what, 92, 93, to me, it's, it can be hard. It, yeah. it, can be, it can be hard, especially in modern baseball. Yeah, and he's another guy who, kind of like Strasburg, was actually losing some velocity early this season. It was like 89. Feel, yeah, like, he's, he's gained a little bit of it back, I think. But, you know, that's definitely kind of scary stuff. But I did yeah. want to move to the hitting. And I think, you know, we don't have no, to do we address have to? Yeah, we, we, we have don't have to address to? the larger point past that both these offenses have been bad across yeah. the board this year. And they are big reasons, really, for both these teams that they each have 17 wins. But I did want to kind of do a, a back and forth here. So, you know, on the Nats, everybody knows that Juan Soto is awesome and he's the top five hitter in baseball. And we know that. And on the Orioles, everyone knows that Trey Mancini is kind of starting to come back from his cancer diagnosis. Everybody kind of knows the story. He's been red hot lately. So for each team, I wanted to go through, you know, for you, give me one non Juan Soto guy who's raking and one dude who's just coming in ice cold. And then I'll give you kind of the same, you know, one non Trey Mancini guy on the Orioles, well, ice, ice cold, cold guy. Ice cold. So, you really, you get my pick a lot here. I mean, yeah. So I mean, start, start with the guy who's raking, who's not. Yeah. Named Juan so, Soto. I mean, raking, and this is another obvious answer. Trey Turner is, I mean, on a tear, like an absolute tear this year. He's in 327. Um, he's hit 10 home runs and he's played in 40 games. I saw a stat yesterday. It was like, I think for every 16 at bats, he was having probably up to 17 or whatever it is now, but for every like 16 at bats, he was hitting a home run, which is very good for him. And the, I think the challenge David Martinez has had this year is trying to figure out where he should hit in the lineup because of the rest of the offensive, offensive deficiencies. And you have a guy who's hitting that well. What do you do? Uh, who is ice cold? Wow. Mm, this is, this is a, a tasty. Everybody question. else. Can I give you, well, here, here's what I will say. Stalin Castro is like the most consistent hitter ever. And by consistent, I mean like his average is consistent. He, you know, it's, I feel like he and Trey have the same problems. I like over four or four for five. It's kind of how it goes. Uh, but he is consistent and, he, and he's been decent. The two guys that have really just absolutely sucked. And I, I mean that, like, I don't mean to be, you know, gratuitous with that, but like they've been absolutely bad. Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell have just been absolutely going through it this year. Now, here's what happened. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, some fans might know this, some fans might not. What happened in the, in the year was, Connor, those two guys had great springs. They both got COVID. And, well, 
they were both on the COVID-19 list for two weeks. And I, I believe we think that at this point, both did have coronavirus. Um, that sucks for guys that were doing well in spring, adjusting to new places, having to be not only just, you know, not able to practice, whatever, isolated from their families, isolated in general, you know what I mean? To go through that and uh, just haven't recovered since. Schwarber's had a couple moments. He's, he's kind of turning into the guy he thought he'd be, right? 216 for the average is low, but you think he's going to be around 230, 240 probably, and, and his job is to bring individual pop. Josh Bell has been dreadful. He's been dreadful. 176. Had a couple nice moments as of late, but in just terms of all putting it together, it's it's been an uphill climb for Mr. Bell. So those guys are kind of the package pairing for uh, kind of being ice cold. Yeah. On the Orioles side, uh, you know, Trey Mancini will, will be the guy who everybody kind of knows what's going on. He homered again today as we record this on Thursday was the Orioles only run in a 10 to one loss to the Rays. Uh, really what sums up the Orioles and Trey Mancini lately is I was actually at the ballpark Wednesday night for my first time back at Camden Yards. Nice. How was Trey it? Man- it? It was, it was fantastic. Uh, Trey Mancini had two homers. He had a three run double. He had a career high, a career high tying five RBIs and the Orioles bullpen blew it and they lost nine to seven. I mean, that was, that's pretty much, you know, what wow. things that happened to the Orioles, yeah. but anyway, you know, Trey Mancini is the current major league leader in RBIs. Um, so he is, it's an awesome story and he's just awesome. So the guy behind that, who you need to know, um, is Cedric Mullins. So I think a lot of people are getting to know now at this point, he is the Oriole leadoff hitter and everyday center fielder. Mm -hmm. He came into the season in kind of a battle in center field, uh, with Austin Hayes, who has also been good, but Hayes has moved to left and Mullins has been hitting over 300 the entire season. Uh, he was leading the league in hits for a while. Um, he has cooled off just a little bit. You know, he's, he's down to 305 now, which is him, him cooling off. He's second on the team with six home runs, which, you know, Cedric Mullins is not a power hitter. Uh, he used to be a switch hitter, and he said, I'm done with that. He was a career 140 hitter from the right side. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to go full lefty. Nice. I like and, that. Uh, until about last week, he was leading the major leagues in hits off of lefties. This was a guy who had never batted lefty against left-handers until this year. Um, and that's how good he was. He was playing. He's got 12 doubles, which leads the team. Uh, he's been on base in I think 15 straight games. Um, he's a machine at the top of the order. Great defender. He'll steal a base. Um, he might try to lay down a bunt. Um, he's a great player, and uh, it, it's fun to watch him. Ice cold again, <laughs> kind of with the Nats. Um, it's it's been a lot of guys. Um, Michael Franco, who Nats fans will know yeah. from the Phillies. He seems uh, to be having a great, great time this year. He just broke out of like a four for 50 slump with a three hit game the other day, but it has nice. been pretty bad lately for him. Uh, he is still hitting below the Mendoza line at this point. And uh, I will give you another name, not slumping, but someone who's going to show back up this weekend, similar to Steven Strasburg, uh, Anthony Santander, who had big moments against the Nats last year. He's been on the injured list for about three plus weeks. Uh, he was just activated. Uh, tonight, actually, and he will make his debut back into the lineup uh, in game one uh, against the Nationals. So he is a you know switch hitting guy who will be out in right field and will be back. And he had some punishing home runs against the Nats, I know, last year. Uh, so he will be back in there. But it, it is kind of like the Nats that it is ice cold. But Josh, to finish it up here. I, the, I, have, uh, I have one thing I want to say. I want go, to say go the for Nationals it. are, are, are uh, our fifth in team batting average, which I mean really doesn't mean much because they can't hit the scoring position. Uh, that's really the big story. Um, and also, I just wanted to say the big question is: Will one of the, will some broadcaster, either it be radio or television, call him Santander? Because that is, I know, one thing that happens yeah, no, yeah, and it'll be it'll be Scott Garceau on the Orioles broadcast. <laughs> if, if he's doing the games. We can only hope that Kevin Brown, who's kind of the secondary guy, is doing the games. 
Uh, each of these teams having their own broadcast issues, I know right now, but we said yeah, we're not going to yeah. get into that. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get that. into that. Yeah. And what we're going to get into here is to finish up, Josh, I like doing right. this on these crossover episodes because I think it dives a little deeper into the teams and, and gives some fans a little bit of, uh, of name recognition for lesser known guys. Uh, someone who you have not mentioned yet uh, that is on the Nationals, this could be another hitter um, or potentially a reliever because we haven't gotten really into the bullpen at all, that um, you know maybe isn't you know super, super well-known that you think Orioles fans will know this person's name by the end of these three games? Um, Wander Suero. So this guy, I think, I forgot what the number was. He was injured for a little bit this season. I believe in like 17 or 18 eligible games, the guy's pitched like 12 times. Uh, so Dave Martinez just loves to run his relievers into the ground. It's, you know, it's like it'll be up 10 and they'll bring Wander Suero in or they'll be down, you know, uh, down one or tied or up one. And here comes Wander Suero. There's no situation that is not a Wander Suero situation at this point. One guy, the plate, Detroit Orioles fans are familiar. Actually, they probably know him from last year, too. Um, how about Josh Harrison? He's had a really yeah. nice season. So I love old guys who are able to like get cut. And then because baseball is just so random with this stuff. I mean, the number of guys who are old get cut, go somewhere else. And it's like they're really good again. That That is the Josh Harrison story. Josh Harrison's been very good so far this year. He's hitting 291 on the season. Um, and for a guy they picked up off waivers in the middle of last year and um, did not expect to be the full-time second baseman, right? They expected to have Carter Keeban at third and Sarlon Castro at second. That was the plan. And Carter Keeban was not good enough. There you go. Uh, they were able to, you know, able to get get uh, a lot of Josh Harrison. So there you go, Josh Harrison. Uh, it's good to see your old guy. And then Wander Suero as well in the pen. I'm sure he'll make at least in one appearance. Well, I'll give you a hitter and a pitcher then as well. Um, I was just going to go a reliever, but why not? Uh, the Orioles recently, uh, earlier this week, uh, I'm sh- Nats fans may remember Rio Ruiz from the last couple of years, the Orioles third baseman, right. uh, made a huge error in an Orioles-Nats game last year that actually kind of gave the Nats a game at, at Camden Yards. He was just finally DFA'd the other day. Uh, his batting average was uh, under 170 on the year, and they finally cut ties. Uh, so right. as a kind of placeholder for the next couple of weeks, they called up Stevie Wilkerson, uh, who's kind of a Orioles folklore hero. Because uh, he got a save uh, as a pitcher in the 16th inning of a game in 2019 against the Angels, um, and uh, he's made some insane catches in the outfield. Since coming up, he is two for five. He has a double. He has an RBI. He's kind of platooning at second base right now, um, and he will probably be in the lineup uh, against uh, the at least one right-hander against Strasburg, and then he'll probably pinch hit uh, definitely in the other two games. So he could do something, but I wanted to do more pitcher-wise. Um, if Nats fans that they, they may know Paul Fry from 2020, um, if they do not, he is the Orioles left-handed setup man, uh, who had his first bad outing of the year on Wednesday night. He gave up three runs in a tie game in the eighth inning, uh, and the Orioles lost to the Rays. But, you know, even with that in there, 16 innings, 18 appearances, a two, eight, one ERA, 24 strikeouts in 16 innings, um, to eight walks. And I think three of those eight walks came in the game. Um, on Wednesday night. He has been ridiculous. He's just a fastball slider guy who, if you look at the stat cast numbers and you dig deep, I believe among all left-handed pitchers, uh, he has the most horizontal break on his slider, which basically means his slider moves the most out of any lefty in baseball. And it's kind of a weird random name, uh, but similar to relievers the Orioles have had in the past, you know, the Darren O'Days, the, you know, more recent guys, the Michael Givens, Miguel Castro's, these kind of guys where only Baltimore fans know them. And then the Orioles flip them for like three prospects, the deadline. And you're like, how did they get that much out of those guys? Oh, wait, they were really good. 
Paul Fry is that year is the 2021 version of that. The Orioles are going to trade him, uh, but he'll. I was be saying, so you're saying yeah. he's going to end up in the Yankees? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or somebody, but he will be the the coveted deadline reliever uh, that the Orioles have at least once a year. Um, but Josh, good crossover here. We got the Beltway battle. Um, I don't think there's a lot of hype around this one because these two teams stink. Um, the Orioles are coming off probably their worst week of the season. I will say the Orioles have been straight up horrendous since John Means threw the no hitter. Uh, the Nats luckily will avoid John Means. Yes. Um, and the Orioles will luckily avoid Max Scherzer. So uh, we I have, will see I have how one this final goes. question for you. Go for um, it. This is something that I was debating with some people the other day. I, I believe I am, I am pro John Means. Uh, would you consider him an ace? I, I would like, yes. you know, I would too. I, I 100%. He, I saw his worst start of the season in person on Wednesday night. It was six and a third, four runs. Mm-hmm. And his ERA jumped to 1.70 through nine starts. He's thrown a no hitter. He was do, he was an all star in 2019. And he's on a run from last year too. He's right? on a run from yeah. last year. His last four starts from last year were insane. He's an ace. He's going to be in the all star game. If Garrett Cole didn't exist, he'd be in line to start the all star game right now. So, right. Uh, and the Orioles haven't had an ace since Mike Mussina, but we are calling him one around these parts. I would call him an ace. I would definitely call him an ace. I'm in. All right, great crossover, Josh. Um, Orioles Nats. Let's uh, hope that. When two bad baseball teams when collide, Masson collides. Will it, it be makes, on both Massens? I guess it yeah, will be, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. When the double barreled Massens. Yeah, the two double barreled Masson teams collide. Hopefully, it makes for you know, even if the games are like seven to six, nine to eight, uh, or they're one nothing. At least I'm, I'm, me, I'm, more, I'm more trending towards one nothing. Give me some watchable baseball because let me tell you, <laughs> since the means no hitter, the Orioles have not been watchable whatsoever. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think the Nationals actually, since the means no hitter, have been uh, unwatchable as well too. <laughs> I think something got to them. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Josh.